Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Crush Kovalev. The tale of the tape on the boxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape. Time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on the boxingrant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcasts, The Tale of the Tape. It's episode 68, and I'm your host, Kenny Keith, who you can follow on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr., and you can follow the show at The Boxing Rant. Be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com for all the archived episodes of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast, The Boxing Rant, and other great content in and around the world of professional prize fighting drop me a line podcast at theboxingrant.com and let's talk some shop let's talk the sweet science and i'll answer some questions on a future episode of the tale of the tape to all my loyal listeners out there if you haven't already subscribe to the tale of the tape on itunes tune in radio spreaker soundcloud stitcher we're all over the place you can take the show with you and episodes are up to date as i Post them to all of those channels and outlets. Be sure that you subscribe to the Tale of the Tape today. Uh, It's episode 68, and I have a special guest for you. I missed this past Sunday with a new episode, but trust me, it's well worth it. As the next couple episodes, I'm going to have some special guests. And I have a fighter joining me today, a fan favorite, a bruiser, a banger, a brawler. And you know what? We've all kind of been waiting on the edge of our seats to hear an announcement of when his next fight is going to be. But before I get to the special guest on episode 68, I just want to give you a rundown of what I'm going to be talking about today on the tale of the tape. I'm going to revisit August 14th PBC on Spike TV as Marco Hooks squared off against Christoph Glavatsky in a memorable 12-round WBO cruiserweight championship bout And that evening was headlined by two aging heavyweights, Antonio Tarver and Steve Cunningham, did the deal. And then the very next evening, the PBC on NBC Sports Network, Lucian Boutte. I guess you can call it a tune-up fight because that's pretty much what it was. Uh, Returned to the ring after a 19-month absence in Montreal, Canada, as he squared off against Andrea D. Luisa. I have some announcements from the PBC and from the good side of the force from HBO, K2, Golden Boy, top rank, spanning the globe once again here on episode 68 of The Tale of the Tape and plenty of news and notes to cover on an action-packed edition of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcasts. So now without Further ado, I want to introduce my special guest for episode 68 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast, hailing from Oxnard, California, former lightweight champion, Brandon Bam Bam Rios. Hey, Brandon, thanks for joining me again here on the Tale of the Tape. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. All right, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Hope everything's well. 
Everything's great, man. I appreciate you taking time out of your day and stopping by the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. So how's everything with you? What you been up to? I've been up to nothing, you know, just spending a lot of family time and everything, taking this time to catch up with family time. Because when I do start training, I do push them aside. So, you know, I've just been chilling, been, been good with the family and everything. Not, not only that, but also waiting for a fight too, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, we're waiting for you to get back in the ring too, man. Your fans are definitely uh, are definitely chomping at the bit. So let's talk about that a little bit. ESPN reported a few weeks back that a potential fight for September 12th with IBF welterweight champion Kel Brook was dead. Reports stated that it fell apart over a rematch clause. What happened with the Brook fight? Uh, it was not only the rematch clause. It was all the demands that he was uh, uh, requiring. Uh, the The rematch clause is one of the problems. And not only that, but also one of the issues was with the glove issue and and a, and a pay cut. That I told him that I would take a pay cut to fight you, but if I could use my gloves. But if I don't use my gloves, then no, I want the money that I demand and I think I deserve. So going across the pond, going to his backyard, you know, anything can happen. So, and the whole issue is that it would rematch cause. So if this guy is so confident that he can beat me and I'm easy, then why do you want a rematch cause? Why do you want to deal with it again? So why don't you just uh, fight and move on? You know, that, that's the basically the way it should be. Uh, that's what I see it. Uh, I fight to... You beat me? Okay, cool. You beat me. You move on. I don't want to fight you again. So it is what it is. You know, the team fell apart because of, so everything was on his behalf. They over there, everybody's making it seem like it was my fault and on my behalf, uh, which is okay. It's understandable. Everybody's going to say what they got to say. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but it is what it is. I don't know, man. Uh, does Brooke think he's Floyd Mayweather? I mean, this sounds like some trivial, trivial stuff. I know fights are made and broken over things as contentious as rematch clauses and, and gloves and stuff. And I know, understand in negotiations, you have to try to get whatever you can out of them. But to throw the glove issue in there, I mean, what does he think? You're going to pack your hands with bricks? It sounds like an excuse to me, man. Yeah, you know, it wasn't. To me, I see an excuse because they they kept coming up with all kinds of mans and stuff like that. If you want to fight, don't fight. You know, if you don't want to fight me, don't say my name no more. Keep my name out of your mouth and keep it as it is. You know what I mean? That's the way I see it. Uh, I accept the challenge. He did call me out, and I did accept the challenge. And I had no re- I had no problem going across the pond to fight him in his backyard, which I had no problem fighting China, going to China and fight Pacquiao pretty much in his backyard. So at the end of the day, everybody can say that, oh, Brandon's scared, Brandon this, Brandon that, Brandon's the one that ducking him. Uh, you know, it's okay. I let them think that, and I let everybody uh, say what they got to say and say what their opinion yeah, well, I mean, I think over here in the States, man, I think we know pretty well that your reputation precedes you, man. You just run back your your resume over the last few years. And uh, I think the last thing that boxing fans in the United States think is that Brandon Rios would ever dodge anybody. All right, let's go ahead and move away from this Brook fight because the fight's dead, right? It's not going to happen unless they come back and they, they say, yeah, okay, we want to fight you. Yes, you can use your gloves. Yes, uh uh, you can take this pay and everything. The rematch clause is no is no longer in effect. Then okay, cool, no problem. Let's do it. Uh, but other than that, if they don't come out with their demand, if they keep coming out with their demand, that that fight's dead as it's dead as a zombie right now. All right, the Brook fight's a non-starter. We hear just a few days later that a potential all-action Southern California clash between yourself and the Desert Storm Timothy Bradley 
was a potential fight. When we heard about this, I mean, boxing fans were, again, frothing at the mouth. This would have been a great fight, man. And then, I don't know, it almost seemed like it was the same day Bradley's wife comes out and says that the fight is a no-go. Your manager, Cameron Duncan, came out and said that basically Bradley priced himself out of the fight. Um, for what I believe, yes. Uh, well, my manager told me, yes, that. And what Top Rank told my manager, yes, that. He did price himself out that. He did ask for a ridiculous amount, and which is, I was like, wow. You know, and, and actually that fight, too, I was also taking other picks uh, to, did, to get that fight. So um, it is what it is, you know. Uh, it, it sucks at this point because, man, I really want to fight again. After a great performance and after a great stoppage uh, I did with Alvarado, they put me on the sideline again. So it's like, damn, what the hell is going on, man? Everybody keeps, they're like, top rank, what the fuck is going on with top rank? They keep putting me on the sideline. They're not offering nothing. They're not giving me nothing. As a representative of a fighter, you're supposed to go out and look for the best interest of him for him. And that represent your, your, the one that's representing your company. And you're not doing your job. So, you know, it kind of sucks. It kind of sucks at that point. Well, with that being said, where do you stand with top rank? It doesn't sound like you're very happy right now. I know, you know, no, of course not. I'm not very happy. Uh, because the fact that I'm not fighting, you know what I mean? Everybody else is fighting but me. Uh, and that it gets frustrating because, you know, I'm hungry. My kids got to eat. I got to eat. And I'm hungry. You know what I mean? Uh, so I got I to gotta, I gotta fight. I hear you, man. I mean, it's your profession. It's how you support your family. And the fact is, you position yourself for a big fight, so you deserve it. No doubt about it. But I heard that you have called out Ruslan Provodnikov. Now, that's a fight the fans would love to see. Oh, definitely. You know, I, I when I call somebody out, because I want to fight him. I'm not going to call him out just to get my name blown out of proportion and get my name out there like Kill Brook did. No. So everybody can recognize me. No, if I call somebody out, because I really want to fight him. So you know, Pavlovnikov, let's make it happen for November here at the Forum, November seventh. Since Top Rank already has that date available, it was supposed to be for me and Bradley at the Forum. Uh, since Bradley just pulled out, so let's make Luzon Pavlovnikov and Brandon Rios fight at the Forum, and I guarantee we'll sell out the Forum because everybody in the world will come out to see that fight in Southern California. And it's a fight that fans have been wanting and people have been asking. And you know what? I would love to make my fans happy and give the fans what they want, a, an exciting show and a, a war, which it will turn out to be. So let's make it happen. Has your manager, Cameron Duncan, talked to the Provodnikov camp yet? Uh, not that I know of yet, but I know when he called me and he told me that uh, the Bradley fight pulled out, but they don't have nobody in name. They have one person in name. And, you know, I told Cameron, you know, what? I think it's kind of a setup. I'm not for sure. But in my, I'm just being the, the devil advocate. I'm just playing the the bad role here. And, you know, I think it was a setup for me and Ruzan Peronica to fight. That they, that's, the, that's what they want. So, fuck it, let's fight. I know I can beat him. And, and I know I, I'm ready. And I know I'm, I'm well better than him. So, let's fight. And I think I, I got more cojones than he does. <laughs> Oh, man. I was at his last fight against Lucas Matisse, and on the ride home, my wife asked me, well, who do you think Provodnikov's going to fight next? And I told her, I said, man, the only person I want to see him in the ring with next is Brandon Rios. I think it's the best fight in and around that weight class as far as just pure 100% nonstop action. 
You know, the truth is HBO's got some pretty action-packed fights scheduled for the fall. And I know boxing fans and hardcore fight fans want to see yourself in the ring with a Provodnikov-type opponent, a dangerous opponent that will bring the best out of you so you can deliver that all-action, inside-bruising style that has endeared you to boxing fans across the world. I mean, HBO's got some big events going on, and I know you want to have your own big show right there nestled in between Triple G versus Lemieux and Canelo versus Cotto. And I know your fans are definitely clamoring for a big action-packed Brandon Rios fight. You know, it really stinks to see that you're on this side of this traditional boxing model where the promoter, you know, most of the time holds all of the keys to making fights possible. You know, across the street, the new political faction in boxing, Al Heyman's premier boxing champions, outside of the Marco Hook cruiserweight championship upset from this past weekend, I mean, they've pretty much failed to deliver on the Brandon Rios type action fight what are your thoughts on the pbc so far i'm not gonna say too much about it because uh you never know one day i might be on that show i might be fighting on there so you know i'm not gonna say too much about it all i know is that hey boxing needs a fight like this they haven't been a fight like this since a long time since me and pavonikov you know they need a fight like that boxing needs a fight like that a war uh, a fighter, a fight that people are going to actually come and see him. Two fighters that just going to really fight it out and batter it out. Not going to be running, not going to be dancing, not going to be hugging. They're going to go out there and give it all they have and fight it out like the old days. Yeah, man. I mean, that's all that boxing fans want. That's all that boxing fans have ever wanted. We get accused time and time again by people in the business, whether it's promoters or fighters or trainers, that as fans that we're you know, impossible to please. But what you just said right there is exactly all we've ever wanted. It doesn't matter whose cameras are pointing at the ring, PBC or HBO, whoever. The fans win when fights like Brandon Rios versus Ruslan Provodnikov come to happen. I agree with you. It, it, it don't have to be a Brandon Rios and a Provodnikov. It could be a type of fighters like that on any type of paper, any type of televised. Uh, like you said, any type of televised, any any fighter that comes and fight uh, and gives the fans and the show what they want and what they need to bring back boxing live, they're the winners. Those are the winners. So it, does, it doesn't literally have to be a Rios and a Pavonikov. It could be whoever, but somebody that brings those type of fighters. Absolutely, man. You know, the sad thing is, is that that'll never happen on a consistent basis until all these different promoters and political factions and, you know, whoever it is take their hands out of the cookie jars. But anyways, moving on from that, Brandon, I saw recently on social media, you sending out some support for your boy, Sugar Shane Mosley, as he prepares for his upcoming rematch with Ricardo Mayorga. You going to be ringside for Mosley Mayorga too? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, uh, he, he tweeted me. He direct messaged me on Twitter, and he told me that he got two tickets for me. So, yeah, so, you know, if you get – we're going to go support him. Me and my wife are going to be out there to support uh, Sugar Shane Mosley. He is a humble guy. He did come to my house. He, he's, a, uh, he's, a really, he's a really nice guy, you know. And I really like, I like to put my, I like to support nice people, you know, humble guys, the one that, you know, that's down to earth. But, so, you know, of course, I'm going to go out there and support him. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Anytime, uh, you know, boxing great like Mosley, even, uh, even though he's getting up there in years, man, you can't stop somebody from fighting, man. I'm actually looking forward to this one. I think it'll be pretty good. Yeah. Exactly. Look at look at Bernard Hawkins. You know he's so fighting. Does he need the money? He says no, but he loves the sport so much. So that's what happened. 
Same with Mosley. He loves the sport so much. Same with, I, I'm not mistaken, but I, I think Mario's making a comeback. I'm not for sure, but you know what? And he don't need the money, but he they love the sport so much that they got to keep coming back. This is what they do for a living. This is, this is a, this is not just a passion. This is our passion. It's not just a hobby for us. Uh, we really enjoy this stuff. Uh, some people just enjoy it for the money, but for myself and I'm, I can't, I can't speak for others, but for myself, this is my passion. This is what I love to do, man. This is like, it's besides my kids and my family, this is my passion. That's good stuff, man. It's definitely a refreshing sentiment to hear in this day and age, no doubt about it. Well, I appreciate you stopping by the show, Brandon, and I know your fans are really anxious to hear an announcement for your next big fight. My, my, I'm with you guys, man. I, I'm with you. I can't wait to get myself back in the ring. You know, I, I've been wanting to fight for forever. I've been itching to get back in the ring. But you know what? So hopefully it'll be the Ruth Lapovanica for November. Let's do it. Uh, let's give the fans what they want. And I know it'll be a terrific fight. Well, we're all certainly looking forward to the day that the announcement drops. Fingers crossed it's the Provodnikov fight, but if not, we look forward to the day that you're back in the ring. Brandon, thanks for taking time out of your day to stop by the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast and saying what's up to all of our loyal listeners out there. So I guess until your next training camp, take care of yourself, man, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Definitely, man. Thank you for calling, and it's always a pleasure to interview with you guys, and uh, talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. Brandon Rios, everybody, stopping by the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast and dropping some uh, some nuggets of information here regarding you know his status and when he's going to be returning to the squared circle. Read a bunch about the Kell Brook negotiations falling apart. He Brandon says it's also the fact that Kell Brook did not want Brandon wearing his gloves in the fight, which is kind of tedious and ridiculous if you ask me. I mean, I you know. I guess Kell Brook uh, does think that he is at Mayweather status. But since beating Sean Porter and winning the IBF welterweight belt, he hasn't exactly uh, been beating the world. And I am a huge Kell Brook fan. But, um, you know, I think if you're going to be bringing a a big name like Brandon Rios across the pond to fight you, I mean, are gloves going to be one of the reasons that this fight doesn't happen? Is that the non-starter? But truth be told, it was actually a lot more than that. It was the rematch clause that a lot of people had already been re- reporting on, and then they wanted him to take a pay cut. So, you know, I don't blame him. He comes off of a huge victory uh, against Mike Alvarado. Now, regardless of the status and the state that Mike Alvarado was in coming into that final fight of their trilogy, which, you know, he looked like he didn't train very, very hard, quit on his stool, in the third round, but Rios looked great in that fight. And maybe Brooks just trying to get every advantage that he can, but you know, being that, that Sean Porter is the toughest opponent he's been in the ring with yet. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's quite at that status yet, but then we moved on. We heard really soon after the Kell Brook fight fell apart, that there were rumors that a possible matchup with top rank stablemate Timothy Bradley, was going to come to fruition. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what a perfect fight for the StubHub Center. That'd be absolutely perfect. A great fight. We all know how Timothy Bradley rolls. (laughs) He may say he wants to come in with this game plan that he's going to box, but he always ends up fighting the style that his opponent fights. For some reason, he always gets caught up, just throws it out the window and says, ah, never mind, I'm just going to fight your fight now. 
But, you know, Rios wasn't willing to take a pay cut once again. And Bradley priced himself out. But what's funny is, is that Rios actually felt that this was, you know, HBO and Top Rank were trying to force Rios and kind of like redirect him and push him towards a fight with Provodnikov. You know, I don't know how much, you know, legitimacy to that there is. I know Brandon sent out that tweet saying, you know, screw it, let's do it. You know, Provodnikov, let's fight. Let's give the fans what they want. And that would be exactly what that is, just a a dynamite fan-friendly fight that everybody that loves to see a good brawl um, would thoroughly enjoy. But, you know, I mean, there's I don't know how close we are to that. And then he goes on to say that he's not happy with top rank. He hasn't been in the ring since January. These fights keep falling apart. Now, I don't know how much that has to do with his manager, Cameron Duncan's involvement in it, but Brandon is is vehemently loyal to his manager and always talks so highly of Cameron Duncan. So I'm sure that he's working to the best of his ability on behalf of his client. But, you know, I don't know what's going on with top rank nowadays. You got a guy like Brandon Rios who's, who's fan-friendly. You think you'd try to get him in the ring as soon as possible. But they weren't able to get Terrence Crawford back in the ring for, you know, more than two fights this year. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that there's something fishy going on here, but if Brandon Rios, who's one of your staples, I mean, I know, you know, he's not Manny Pacquiao, okay? But he is one of the biggest names in the top-ranked stable and one of the most exciting fighters that they have. When I ask him a question, just you know, a plain question to see like what he thinks of the PBC so far. <laughs> he responds by saying, um, you know, I, I don't really want to talk too much about that right now because I might be fighting there one day. That's a fighter who is not happy with his promoter. So keep your ear to the ground for more on that because that's the first I've heard of that. That is some breaking news as far as, as, far as I can tell. Um, so it be interesting to see if Brandon Rios jumps ship and goes to the PBC because, you know, regardless of how absolutely ridiculous the PBC is or how they've done business or the way that they've treated us as boxing fans, which has been total BS and, uh, you know, and blatantly disrespectful, um, the truth is is that they get their fighters' fights and the, and, and the fighters get in the ring and they fight. And Brandon would probably be very well paid because they do not have – very many fighters that just go balls to the wall, throw it all on the line like Brandon Rios does. So again, Brandon Rios, thanks for stopping by the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. I'll be sure to have him back on the show um, as soon as some news breaks about his upcoming fight. We'll try to catch him in training camp. But while we're on the subject, before we get to these PBC on Spike TV fights um, of Cal Brook and Timothy Bradley, there's an article comes across BoxingScene.com today that Eddie Hearn and Bob Arum are in discussions for a possible welterweight unification fight between Kel Brook and Timothy Bradley. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? If they're able to make that fight and, and Rios does not get a fight, man, that is going to piss him off. But if, if that's the way that they want to roll, I mean, top rank should be pretty careful now you know, I haven't interviewed anybody from top rank to get their side on all this, but they need to be pretty careful with the state of the way things are in boxing, the state of the landscape of the sport of professional prize fighting because they can't afford to lose big names. I know they have some young talent coming up, and that's all fine and good. And one day that talent will be developed and it will probably replenish 
their ranks and their stable of top line fighters with the likes of Felix Verdejo coming up. But you got guys like Terrence Crawford, Brandon Rios, and Vasily Lomachenko not getting in the ring. And all these guys are still in their 20s and in their physical primes. Um, there's something wrong. And, you know, maybe they're just struggling to find fights outside of top rank in Golden Boy right now. But I would be trying to forge an alliance even stronger than what they've already you know, made and, uh, you know, by thawing out the Cold War with Golden Boy. But I would be trying to do business with Golden Boy, K2, Matchroom, any of the promoters that are non-Al Heyman uh, related. I mean, that's <laughs> that's that's how top rank is going to continue into the future because Bob Arum is not getting any younger, and I'm sure that the company will be in good hands once he does pass on. But I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't want Brandon Rios to go across the street. So... If Brooke versus Bradley happens, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is 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 Brandon Reyes going to be happy about that? Um, I don't know. But news is that uh, Eddie Hearn is still looking at all possibilities, though, as you know, there are uh, you know some issues in making Brooke versus Bradley. But um, Diego Chavez has been rumored as the front runner if a unification fight is not to be made with the special one, Kel Brook. Uh, Diego Chavez, Ruslan Provodnikov, again, these names, all fighters that have been thrown (laughs) towards Brandon Rios, but Brandon can't get a fight with any of these guys. So I don't know. There's going to be a lot developing here probably within the next couple weeks regarding all of this. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, Yeah, so uh, I guess that'll do it on the the top-ranked Brandon Rios front for now. Um, A few more announcements while we're talking UK. Amir Khan is now turning his attention to Manny Pacquiao. Um, this guy is going to, his legacy is going to be defined as a guy that came to the United States, um, you know, got his ass beat, uh, accumulated three pretty devastating losses to his record um, before he ever had the opportunity to become that superstar that he so desperately thinks he is and wants to be. And now he's just going to be caught in limbo chasing after the two biggest aging names in boxing. Um, and, if I were Khan, I would be trying to make fights with anybody in the top 10 right now and getting in the ring because he's not doing himself any favors. But just like with Andre Ward and just like with a lot of other fighters, they overvalue themselves um, from, you know, from uh, how much they're actually, you know, how much they should garner in, as far as paydays and the types of fights that they can get. They think of themselves in a completely different stratosphere than the realities of how business actually works. So, you know, Bob Arum said that if, if, if Khan wants Pacquiao, then Khan can get it. But I still think that we're going to see Terrence Crawford in a fight this fall, and then we're going to see probably um, Pacquiao's comeback fight in the spring. I, I, I just have this feeling that it's going to be against Terrence Crawford, unless, you know, Pacquiao states that he wants to come come back and um, take a soft touch, but I can't see that. Pacquiao's not that kind of guy. And it's, you know, it's too late in the game, I think, right? I mean, I, I, I think it might be. Um, last little bit of UK boxing news. Liam Smith of the Fighting Smiths will be squaring off against Michelle Soro for the recently stripped WBO junior middleweight title. Yes, the one that was stripped from Demetrius Andrade for inactivity. Um, Michelle Soro's coming off of He's on a four-knockout fight streak, and his victory over Glenn Tapia was not expected at all, but that was a really exciting fight 
on True TV. And uh, Michelle Soro is is on fire. Liam Smith is an up and comer of the Fighting Smiths. Like I said before, it should be a pretty good, pretty good bout. Um, and the last little bit of UK news before I move on: Lee versus Saunders. That's right, Billy Joe Saunders and Andy Lee will be pushed to October tenth at the Manchester Arena in England. Lee apparently had a virus, but I've been hearing that the ticket sales were not very good uh, for the originally scheduled. Uh, field the rugby field in Limerick Ireland so apparently they're saying Lee had a virus and so it's being pushed to October 10th and Andy Lee will defend his newly acquired middleweight strap the one that was not on the line because Peter Quillen you know didn't make weight because Peter Quillen does whatever Peter Quillen wants to do but I will not ruin your day by talking about the delusional kid chocolate but I will enter into the world of delusion as I take you back to this past Friday night, August 14th, 2015, from the Prudential Center in New Jersey. Premier Boxing Champions on Spike TV returned, and it was a battle of aging heavyweights in the main event as Antonio Tarver squared off against Steve Cunningham as Al Heyman tries to acquire as many beatable heavyweights as possible to build Deontay Wilder up without him being too, uh, you know, too, too threatened because we all know that Deontay Wilder has yet to really fight anybody at all outside of Berman's Stavern. But we'll get to Deontay Wilder here in a little bit. And you know what? Honestly, the main event of this fight is not even worthy of going first here on the fight recaps. So I'm going to take you to the opening fight, the co-feature. As... WBO cruiserweight champion Marco Hook squared off against Christoph Glavatsky in both fighters' American debuts. And Marco Hook, I mean, this guy had been defending this cruiserweight belt forever and ever and ever and signs with Al Heyman and comes to foreign territory. And um, I don't think anybody could have expected the way that this fight would end up but let's go ahead and get right to the action from the wbo cruiserweight championship fight pbc on spike tv marco hook versus christoph glavatsky glavatsky's working hard in the first asserting himself as the ring general early and often he has figured out how to duck the straight right much earlier than hook would have liked neutralizing the champ's weapon for the entire round. Hook is able to sneak in the occasional jab, but Glavatsky's foot position is established, and he will not relinquish it. Glavatsky stuns Hook at the bell with a big right hook, knocking him back into the ropes, wobbly and unsettled. And boom, commercial. I mean, it like cut as soon as that punch landed, pretty much. Um, having some hiccups uh, going to try to squeeze these commercials in the very few sponsors that the PBC has, and they do not have much time to squeeze them in between rounds. So they are, uh, man, that production truck was hitting that hitting that button to go to commercial a little too quick as these two were getting a little testy and a little edgy with one another, and the ref was working overtime to split these guys up in between rounds. But there's a lot on the line. So I take you to the second round. The challenger is pushing the champ backwards again to open this round, just like in the first Hucks. 
Hook's timing is off as the rhythm of Glavatsky is troubling the longtime cruiserweight linchpin. The two fighters close the round with a violent and sudden exchange as Glavatsky flicks out the right jab. And the first time in the fight, Hook's timing is spot on, catching Glavatsky with a hard straight right flush to the chin, which was then countered right back with a big straight left from the powerful southpaw. We go to the third, and Glavatsky walks Hook into the corner to open the round as Glavatsky waits to see what the champ's move is going to be. And so as not to get caught with something big, he's staying out of range. Hook launches out of the corner with a four-punch combo, left, right, left. And as he throws the next right, which sends him off balance a bit, Glavatsky checkhooks Hook with a thud, thwarting the burst from the champ and sending him away. They regroup Glavatsky, shooting the jab to the body. His forward movement and effective aggression are the story of his success so far against the champion. Hook isn't getting off first. He's not very accurate from the outside. And outside of an isolated punch here and there, Glavatsky on my scorecard is up three rounds to zero. We head to the fourth, and Hook is finally getting his in during this round. Just by faintly throwing out a jab to separate himself from the aggressor, Hook is able to take back the ring. It was enough to keep the aggressor off of him. We head to the fifth where the action comes in spurts. At one moment in the round, Glavatsky comes forward with all of his momentum and overcommits, stumbles and gets rocked with a sweeping right cross, knocking Glavatsky off balance. Hook closes the round with a signature power-punching flurry. In the sixth round, just 30 seconds in, the two fighters are standing in the middle of the ring, and out of nowhere, Hook does the unpredictable and launches a sweeping roundhouse left hook that cracks the side of a Glavatsky's head, knocking him to the canvas. He looks down. He's looking up into the lights. Is he going to get up or not? Glavatsky beats the count, and here comes Hook trying to go in for the kill. Glavatsky is quick to his wits and throws his own offense as sort of a defense to thwart Hook's attempt to finish him. But Hook proved too inaccurate. Glavatsky regained his composure and fended off the champion for the remainder of this action-packed round. Fast forward to the eighth round, and both fighters begin to unfurl some really wild shots, barely landing at all. Not, not much gives in the sloppiest round of this fight so far, except for a brief moment when Hook landed a thumping left on the orbital bone of the challenger, causing him to wince in pain, and he begins to paw at the newly opened cut. And then the two give and take, give and take in 9 and 10, and we head to the 11th round. Hook's balance is falling back, and his hands are down to his sides, leaving him Wide open, and Glavatsky dives in with a monster left hook, followed by a thudding right to the forehead of Marco Hook, slamming the champion to the canvas. What an unpredictable, unbelievable finish to a give-and-take fight. The crowd was filled with Polish and German fans alike, and they went crazy as Christoph Glavatsky does the deal and becomes the new WBO cruiserweight champion with a KO 11. These two fighters, their styles could not have been more different. Seriously. I mean, honestly, Glavatsky, the way he positioned his body, you know, he was always, his chest was always perpendicular to, to, to Hook. I mean, Hook looked like a rock'em sock'em robot the way he threw his power punches. Always squared up and literally just looked like he was just shooting these straight punches. And, you know, Glavatsky 
made a great point in the post fight. He just said it. He said, you know, Hook's just a bully. All you have to do is return volley when he tries to bully you and outbox him. And that's exactly what the poll did as he just in impressive fashion. I mean, you know, Hook had, had, had regained control of this fight. And by the time of the stoppage, my scorecard read 96 to 93. And I'm pretty sure that every judge sitting ringside had Hook winning this fight. And Glavatsky pulls off the Hail Mary um, in what's probably the best fight of the year, most exciting fight of the year for Premier Boxing Champions. Now, all this talk of this being fight of the year, round of the year, knockout of the year, everything of the year, shill of the year, Dan Raphael will win that award, um, blowhard of the year, Paulie Malinaggi. I mean, come on, guys. Seriously, like, there were plenty of moments of excitement in this fight. There, you know, there's no doubt about it. There were some hard punches thrown, but both these guys were pretty inaccurate the entire evening. And there were a lot of moments in this fight where there was really nothing going on. I mean, even in my fight recap, those moments of excitement, I mean, those were really isolated to like 10, 15 second spurts. So this was not sustained nonstop action like it was in Matisse Provodnikov or like it was in Lemieux Endom. It just wasn't. I mean, the moments in this fight were big. The crowd was great because, you know, there was a, a huge contingency of both fighters' nationalities there to support them, which added, you know, an, an element of an environment um, that just has not been present at any PBC card today. So this had every ingredient uh, that that was needed, at least tiny pinches of the ingredients that great fights um, are are made from. And... That's what it takes. It takes two guys laying it all on the line and a crowd that's really into it, a crowd that is actually paid to be there and see this fight by giving away tickets to people that could really care less about either of these fighters in these neutral locations really doesn't make any sense. Fortunately for them, there is a, you know, enough Polish and German population on the East Coast of the United States that follow these guys and have never had the opportunity you know, to see these guys fight in the States where they're supporting in full effect. But let's be honest here, okay? Regardless, just like it was last year where you had HBO had their fight of the year and then Showtime announced their fight of the year, you're going to see the same thing this year. The PBC will have their own fight of the year, and because they do not include anybody that does not sign a contract with Al Heyman, then it doesn't matter. They're not even going to take into consideration any of the great fights that have already happened. And those that are still on the horizon that have yet to happen that are outside of, of, of the PBC. So it really doesn't matter. You can sit here and try to argue back and forth on what was and what was not the fight of the year. I'm going to do a fight of the year here at the boxing rant because that's what I'll do. And I'm going to include every single fight that I watch. I have a running list that I've tabulated of every fight that I've watched, and I've seen almost every fight you know, in North America and Europe um, this year so far, and I've, I have a running tally, and I'll go back and watch the ones that I have written down, and then I'll try to make a fair assessment, PBC or um, you know, the other side, uh, you know, the HBO, K2, Golden Boy, and the rest of the good guys. So we'll just have to wait and see, but this was not the fight of the year. So let's stop getting excited every time there's a good round. And ESPN, please stop, stop. I know you're you're on the payroll of Al Heyman. I know he pays you guys, but seriously, you guys have to stop after every decent fight. You know, writing these these little blurbs and these headlines saying fight of the year, round of the year, one of the best round you will ever see. I mean, the hyperbole is just just it's unnecessary. Okay, 
I've watched this fight three times since it happened. I watched it live, and yeah, I was pumped at that ending. I mean, I went crazy. It shocked the hell out of me. I was like, whoa, you know, scared the crap out of my wife. I think she was dozing off on the couch or something when it happened, you know, but uh, truth be told, after watching the fight back two more times, I mean, it was a good fight, and that's it. So I'm just going to leave that there, and I'm going to move to the main event, Antonio Tarver versus Steve Cunningham, and here's what I'm going to say about this. Two aging fighters. Why was this fight on TV? Why? Because these guys are going to be potential opponents for Deontay Wilder, a heavyweight champion whose resume has been built on the back of what he's had 34 fights and 33 of his 34 opponents have been absolute unadulterated bums. You know, big giant bouncers at nightclubs off the street have stepped in the ring and that's who Wilder has been built off of. And Antonio Tarver and Steve Cunningham are two old guys that they feel are big enough names that they can throw in the ring with Deontay Wilder and Wilder won't have any problem defeating these guys. One, because they're old, but two, because these guys are like six foot two and tiny. Antonio Tarver, who's a natural uh, light heavyweight, and Steve Cunningham, who's a natural cruiserweight. I mean, come on. These guys are small, small heavyweights. And, you know, when I'm watching a fight like Marco Hook and Christoph Glavatsky, and then I watch Tarver and Cunningham afterwards. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, hold on a second. Why do Hook and Glavatsky look bigger than Tarver and Cunningham? You know? I mean, come on. So that's why these guys are here. But this thing should not have been televised. It was a horrible fight. Boring as all get out, especially after watching Hook versus Glavatsky. And the judges scored the fight 115-113, 115-113, 114-114. 114-114. And it was a draw. And to quote Steve Kim from UCN Live, and I agree with him 100%. Um, it deserved to be a draw because neither guy deserved to win. 679,000 people tuned in for this PBC on Spike TV card. These numbers keep dipping. They keep dipping. So I don't understand why we get puff piece after puff piece from Jake Donovan from, from BoxingScene.com trying to like convince us that these numbers are amazing. I, I, you know, I don't get it. Their numbers are not improving, you know? They're just not. And until they do something where they take this gigantic roster and, you know, put them all in a tournament together, you know, it's not going to draw any more interest than it already is because of the the randomness of these matchups. So anyways, move to the very next night on Saturday evening. I have no idea why a tune-up fight for a fighter that's not even popular in the United States, that's almost completely irrelevant to the U.S. sports scene. Lucian Boutte gets a tune-up fight after being out of the ring for 19 months on the PBC on NBC Sports Network. Why is this irrelevant fighter getting a tune-up fight on TV? Yeah, he knocked out Andrea DeLuisa, a fighter that nobody had ever heard of before. How this made it on TV, I have no idea. To me, that right there is a direct sign to anybody that's invested into Waddell and Reed that they are taking you for a ride. They just took your money and put on a fight card involving a an irrelevant fighter in the United States sports scene in a tune-up fight. That's where your money is going if, you're in, if you are invested in Waddell and Reed. And then cherry on top of it all. Okay, PBC crony Sam Watson, the doer of the deeds of Al Heyman, pretty much the face of Al, Al Heyman since Al stays behind the curtain and pulls the string, the wonderful, wonderful wizard of Al. Um, yeah, Sam Watson sitting ringside with a duckness chickenson. And sure enough, I mean, it's like it's too good to be true. 
He's wearing a t-shirt. You know the promo, hashtag free boxing for all. Free boxing for all. Sitting ringside in Canada, all the while this free boxing for all is pay-per-view in Canada. To watch this fight in Quebec, you had to pay $60 pay-per-view. Yet this PBC crony is sitting ringside with a free boxing t-shirt on. Ah, unbelievable. But that sums up the nerve of an operation that doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a shit about anybody except their bottom line. The only sports network or sports league, if you want to call it, in the entire country that does not give a rat's ass about the consumer, does not care about the fans, could give a rat's ass about you and I, and then has the nerve to charge their free boxing $60 on pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like, that's, it's not the fact that it's $60, because I'm sure that Lucian Boutte has plenty of fans in Canada that were willing to pay $60 to watch him on pay-per-view. I'm, I, I'm almost positive there were, and that's fine. That's their prerogative. But they're toting the free boxing for all. Uh, you know, people will come back to pom-pom waivers and say, yeah, but you're going to pay $60 for HD to watch Triple G versus Lemieux. Yeah, guess what? I am, and I'm not going to bitch about it either because I will gladly pay for that kind of entertainment. And and you know what? On top of it, Golden Boy, K2, HBO, nobody is trying to brainwash me or any other diehard boxing fan that works hard and spends their money to watch premium, premium entertainment like this fight. They're not going around telling everybody it's free. So there's no bullshit. There's no lie. There's no concocted narrative, okay? But Lucian Boutte, Andre Di Luisa on US TV, give me a break. I don't ever want to see that shit on my television ever again. Take your washed up foreign fighters and put them on TV in their own country. Maybe do it for free up there, and the Quebecers may, um, <laughs> uh, they may appreciate it because, uh, after all, uh, in the United States, we are just so spoiled with all this free boxing. It's just the greatest thing ever because, you know what, as long as it's free, that means it's awesome, right? Free is awesome. Free is awesome, right? Free boxing for all. Um, all right, let's keep on trucking here. The PBC announces or has not formally announced, but uh, they went ahead and and gave some information to Jake Donovan from BoxingScene.com to write, uh, you know, to do the public relations bid for them before the announcement, um, you know, is actually made. And and I don't even know how they can spin this. It's just it, Deontay Wilder is going to be fighting against Johan Duhapas. I, I'm not even going to pretend to know how to pronounce this in French or however the hell it's pronounced. I've never heard of the guy. Nobody's ever heard of the guy. Don't pretend to sit here and tell me, oh, he's a good fighter. Look at his record. You have never seen him fight. So don't pretend that you have. His record is about as relevant as Deontay Wilder's. Here's why. Duhapis, or however you say his name, you don't know who he's fought. You don't know how he fought in any of these fights, and I've never seen one until... We say his name, and then you go look him up on YouTube, just like Deontay Wilder's resume of bums that he's fought. Okay, The last fight 
that Wilder was in, he squared off against Eric Molina in front of 9,000 on the campus of the University of Alabama, Birmingham. A really smart decision by the PBC um, to put him in his hometown. Kind of the same game plan. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a unique thing. I mean, this has been going on for years in boxing, and the smartest promoters will build their younger fighters um, you know, by building them a brand in their hometowns, especially these smaller cities that don't have professional sports franchises. Um, it's smart. They, they're doing it with Terrence Crawford in Omaha. And uh, Crawford's next fight will be in Omaha, and it's gonna it's gonna sell out, and the crowd's gonna go crazy. But the last fight against Eric Molina was in front of nine thousand people. Okay, and this next fight against Johan Duhapis, this fight will be at the Legacy Arena in Birmingham, and it holds twice as many people, seventeen thousand five hundred. There is a zero percent chance that this sells out. Legitimate ticket sales, without giveaways. Not a chance in hell because as soon as you get to the point where you're like, wow, this is a really, really smart decision. Wow. You know, uh, they're really starting to build a brand here in Alabama. They put him on Saturday night in primetime on the same day that Alabama and Auburn both have home games. And I don't know if any of the listeners out there, especially our listeners over in the United Kingdom, have any idea how big college football is in Alabama, in the state of Alabama. Both colleges, Alabama and Auburn. I mean, two mega football superpowers in the same state playing home games. There's going to be, you know, 200,000 plus diehard sports fans at those games. They're not going to go to those games and then go to a fight where the tickets are $250 a pop. I'm sorry. This fight is not selling out. And this was a horrible, horrible, horrible decision to put this on a Saturday night on the same day that basically Alabama and Auburn are the professional sports franchises in this state. They should have done this on a different weekend or they should have done this on a Friday night. Jeez. <laughs> uh, the arrogance and the delusion of the PBC, right? We've talked about it. I have gone time and time again. I, I get tired of talking about it. You get tired of hearing me talk about it, Right. But this is their arrogance and delusion at its best. They think that it's good enough to gift wrap a heavyweight title to an American since an American hadn't held the heavyweight, uh, a version of the heavyweight title in a long, long time. So they gift wrap this WBC belt to an American heavyweight with a doctored, padded, propped up win-loss record. Okay? The most doctored and padded and propped up win-loss record in all of professional boxing I would love somebody to argue a bigger name fighter with a more bullshit record. And this alone is going to sell out arenas. They think that this alone will sell out arenas. Wilder has not built his franchise. He hasn't built anything. He's never been in a memorable fight or a single fight that a casual fan could even remember. He has one decent opponent on his entire resume. And now they're going to bring over a heavyweight who nobody in North America has ever heard of, and put him in the ring for a showcase fight in an arena twice the size of the last fight Wilder was in on the same day that Alabama and Auburn are playing home games. Get the F out of here with this, man. Get out of here. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's just absolutely insane. December 5th, 2015 at the Barclays Center, Peter Quillen will square off against Danny Jacobs in what the PBC is 
announcing as you know the most anticipated middleweight fight in the whatever. Um, I could care less about this fight. Peter Quillen should win this fight pretty handily. Danny Jacobs doesn't have very many boxing skills. Um, you saw that, by the way. He just had his hands down by his side, walked in chin first, and got floored by uh, Sergio Mora with no power. Um, Quillen should, I mean, there might be a couple knockdowns in this fight, but I see Quillen stopping Jacobs within six. Um, and you all know how I feel about Peter Quillen. October 24th, Terrence Crawford returns to the ring against Deary Jean. I guess that's official now. It's going to be in Omaha, like I just said um, a few moments ago. And you know what? It's a pretty disappointing year for the uh, 2014 fighter of the year. Um, I, I, hate, I hate taking one of my favorite fighters and like putting him in the same category as Adonis Stevenson. But truth be told is that you have to because Adonis Stevenson coming off of his fighter of the year campaign then just went into absolute nonsense, oblivion, soft touches, you know? I mean, seriously, it's, it's, it's like what happened to the guy, you know? It's, it's, it's a joke. Uh, but apparently with Crawford, this was much of his own doing as, you know, he decided to go to Africa and do some charitable work and just take a, you know, and take a break. But as far as the momentum that they could have seized and capitalized off of a, just, an, a, just an amazing year last year for Bud, they're going to fight Deary Jean, who's a dangerous fighter that a lot of American boxing fans haven't heard of. So Crawford may be in tough against a guy that nobody's heard of, and that's not going to do well for him because, you know, some of the, you know, the more, I guess, I don't want to call them casual boxing fans because if you're a boxing fan, you're not a casual fan. But the ones that, are, you know, uh, Terrence Crawford probably has local fans that only watch, you know, when Terrence Crawford fights. But if Crawford goes in tough against Deary Jean and doesn't look great, it's not going to do well for him. People are going to be like, oh, he slipped, you know. Uh, that's what happens when you fight Tomas DeLorme. You know, he's not as good as we thought he was, blah, blah, blah. So he's going to have to look good against Deary Jean, and I think he can, you know. And um, I think from a, from a diehard fight fan's perspective and one that likes to see the styles of Crawford and Jean fight, I think it'll probably be a good fight. And if it's super competitive, then who cares anyways? But they really had an opportunity to do something great with Crawford here. And hopefully if, 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 if he can do the deal, quickly with Jean, they could get him back in the ring in December, which is highly unlikely because of the lateness of this fight. It looks like Terrence Crawford's only fighting twice this year. That's a big disappointment from a, from a, a big, big Terrence Crawford fan here. Um, you know, Antonio Margarito has announced a comeback. Can you believe it? Um, I, I, I didn't think his, like his, his orbital bone, like the, yeah, I didn't think that he was, uh, <laughs> like physically able to fight anymore, but apparently he's going to come back after having not fought in years. Um, that seems to be the trend right now. James Tony lost, Glenn Johnson lost. These guys, I don't know, man. Roy Jones is out there just beating up on club fighters with, you know, it's their, it's, it's their prerogative. They have the right to go make, uh, make that money. But one of these guys, especially a guy like James Tony, who can barely even speak anymore. I mean, I mean, really, he can't speak anymore. You give that guy a license, he dies in the ring, man. That's blood on your hands, you know? But it's not like anybody in boxing, you know, they they act like they they care as long as the fighter is making them money. Um, you know, we've learned this all too well recently, um, you know, in the fight game as, uh, you know, the whole Jermaine Taylor situation. Brain bleed, oh, I cannot in good conscience promote him anymore. And then, of course, he comes back. Mr. Heyman promotes his fight. Ludabella promotes his fight. Heyman says he's, oh, fighter first, fighter first, fighter first. And Ludabella says he can never 
ever, ever promote a fight in good conscience with Jermaine Taylor again. Then they do, and then, who knows, CTE, brain damage, whatever it is, a guy that was a very humble and mild-mannered and soft-spoken, just nice Southern gentleman kind of guy like Jermaine Taylor is now being villainized by decisions that he's making that could be 100% completely induced uh, by having fought one too many rounds. So, um, yeah, I don't know about this, this, this movement of Senior Citizen Brigade coming on. Maybe they should start the uh, PBC Senior Tour. Um, <laughs> uh, who knows? Okay, so today was the uh, Mark, the press conference for Golovkin versus Lemieux in New York City. Looked to be a pretty exciting time up there. Uh, everybody was in good spirits. The fighters were, you know, excited about, uh, you know, about what's on the horizon because, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big deal what they got going on in this fight, and it's a, it's a huge event for boxing. They've already sold over 15,000 tickets, 15,000 tickets, and it looks like it is going to be sold out. So if you haven't got your tickets yet for Golovkin-Lemieux, go ahead and grab them. And for all the morons out there that keep saying that, the fight isn't sold out, that it's lies and it's bullshit and blah, blah, blah. Here, let me, um, let me put it to you like this. Tune into the sport more than once a month, okay? Tune in more than once a month and stop following other morons, okay? Just because you tune in once a month and see what picture that Adrian Broner or Floyd Mayweather has posted on their Instagram account, that's not a recap of the last year of boxing, okay? Chocolatito and Brian Valoria are official for the undercard of Golovkin-Lemieux, and that is an exciting proposition indeed. That will be an action-packed fight. We have two of the best fighters pound-for-pound pound in the world, Chocolatito, Roman Gonzalez, and Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, doing the deal in co-features of an amazing pay-per-view event that's going to be priced at forty nine ninety five for standard definition, and then probably your traditional $10 markup for high definition. HD, my friends. It has been slow out there in the boxing universe, and it will be picking up very, very soon, as after from August 29th, probably until the end of the year, it will be non-stop boxing action, and I am really, really looking forward to it. But that will do it for this very special episode 68 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. I'd like to send a special thank you to Brandon Rios, Brandon Bam Bam Rios, for joining me today as my guest on the Tale of the Tape. And I'll be back next week with episode 69 when another very special guest joins me to preview Santa Cruz Mares and Mosley Mayorga too. The editor of ringtv.com, Doug Fisher, will be stopping by to guest host with me for episode 69 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. That's right, folks. One of the best writers and historians in the game, Doug Fisher, for a very special episode 69. So be sure to look out for that. Subscribe to the Tale of the Tape on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Drop by theboxingrant.com for all the archived episodes of the show. And I'd like to send a special thank you to all of my loyal listeners across the boxing universe for tuning in to episode 68 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.